Monday, January the 25th, and this is your morning briefing from The Economist. Coming up, America's metal tested over Taiwan and Putin under pressure. First, the world in brief. Tensions rose between China and America after 15 Chinese warplanes reportedly flew into Taiwan's air defence zone on Sunday, following a similar incursion on Saturday. The Biden administration reaffirmed its commitment not just to Taiwan, but also to Japan. General Lloyd Austin, the new defence secretary, said America's security obligations encompass islands in the East China Sea that are claimed by both Japan and China. The UN's trade body reported that last year China became the world's top destination for foreign direct investment. The country attracted FDI worth $163 billion, compared with America's $134 billion. America had drawn in $251 billion in 2019 pre-pandemic and $472 billion in 2016. The EU suffered an even steeper drop, shedding 71% of its inflow during the first year of COVID-19. Poland's President Andrzej Duda called on EU leaders to increase sanctions on Russia over the treatment of Alexei Navalny, a leading opposition politician currently imprisoned on spurious charges. Vladimir Putin, Russia's president, faces domestic heat too. On Saturday, tens of thousands of Russians protested against Mr Navalny's arrest. These numbers were doubtless suppressed by Kremlin threats. An even better barometer of public sentiment is the remarkable success of Mr Navalny's video about Mr Putin's personal wealth, viewed more than 80 million times since its release on January 19th. Marcelo Rebelo de Sousa, Portugal's centre-right incumbent president, won a second term. Voting turnout was low, as the country battles a worsening COVID-19 epidemic. It currently has the world's highest infection rate, according to Johns Hopkins University. Mr Rebelo de Sousa stressed the need for unity to fight the disease. He has been supportive of the socialist prime minister. A fourth member of Zimbabwe's cabinet and the third in the past two weeks died from COVID-19 during a surge in cases in the country. The government has been criticised for neglecting public hospitals while elites are treated in private facilities. In an address, President Emerson Manangagua called the disease a grim harvest to which we are all exposed. Elsewhere, Mexico's President Andres Manuel López Obrador also tested positive. The 67-year-old said his symptoms were mild. Estonia's ruling centre party and opposition reform party, a centre-right outfit, agreed to form a new government. Kaya Kallis, reform's leader, will become the country's first female prime minister. The previous government, a controversial coalition that included EKRE, a far-right party, collapsed after Yuri Ratas, a former prime minister and head of the centre party, quit over corruption allegations. And the German economy minister reportedly asked his counterpart in Taiwan for help in easing a shortfall in the supply of semiconductor chips that has forced several car makers to close their assembly lines. Volkswagen, one of the affected firms, said it would be looking into possible claims for damages. The shortage has brought home the dependence of the industry on contract chip manufacturers in Asia. And now here's today's agenda. Blinken and you'll miss it. Tony's confirmation. America's Senate is set to vote on Anthony Blinken's nomination as Secretary of State today. The outcome is in little doubt. He has spent two decades in national security jobs, latterly as Deputy Secretary of State under Barack Obama, and was reassuringly thoughtful in his hearing last week. But Mr Blinken returns to a vastly different environment than the one he left. 
America's bungled COVID response has dented perceptions of American global leadership and ensured that much of the administration's attention and political capital will initially be spent at home. The consensus view of China has turned more hawkish than it was in 2016. Mr Blinken will need to rebuild alliances strained by Trumpist unpredictability and woo Iran back into the nuclear containment deal that the previous administration scuppered. And all this while restoring morale, staffing levels and leadership at the State Department. Steal yourself. Joe Biden's Buy American Push. The flurry of executive orders from the Biden administration will continue today. One will attempt to deliver on a key campaign promise, to direct government spending towards American jobs. Donald Trump signed no fewer than 10 executive orders on the topic while president. But he also faced similar constraints. Some products simply are not made in America. That takes more than a presidential signature to change. Much federal spending is covered by deals such as the Government Procurement Agreement, an international pact to open up government contracts originally pioneered by America. If Mr Biden wants to backtrack on that commitment, other members will close off their markets too. The president could try to attach strings to federal spending at the state and local level, where most government procurement dollars end up. But that could prompt howls from trading partners, project delays and greater expense. A promise is a promise, but it won't come cheap. Not the same without the skiing. A virtual Davos. Thanks to the pandemic, this year's Plutocrats Ball has been pushed from January to May and several thousand miles east from the Swiss ski resort of Davos to sultry Singapore. But the thought of leaving the usual time slot empty was clearly too awful for the World Economic Forum's event planners to contemplate. So political and business bigwigs were invited to a week-long virtual Davos 2, which begins today. The theme, which the WEF calls overarching, but others might deem characteristically woolly, is a crucial year to rebuild trust. Among those scheduled to attend are Angela Merkel, Narendra Modi and Xi Jinping, who may or may not be grilled on his treatment of Uyghurs, but don't count on it if past Davoses are anything to go by. Doubtless to the chagrin of the WEF's ringmaster Klaus Schwab, Joe Biden won't be tuning in, despite signalling a desire to revive multilateralism after four years of the Trumpian wrecking ball. Look who's talking. Turkey and Greece. After nearly coming to blows last year, Turkey and Greece will resume exploratory talks over maritime claims in the eastern Mediterranean today. The two NATO allies held 60 rounds of discussions on the subject between 2002 and 2016, but made little progress. Relations have since soured. Last year, Turkey sparked a confrontation with Greece and Cyprus, both members of the European Union, when it sent a survey vessel, accompanied by Navy ships, into disputed waters. Greece responded with its own show of force. The EU agreed to impose sanctions against Turkey's government. The two countries may now be back on speaking terms, but are yet to figure out exactly what they are talking about. Turkey would like the negotiations to focus on a range of issues, including maritime boundaries, the demilitarisation of the Greek islands hugging Turkey's Aegean coastline, and airspace. Greece says it will only discuss maritime zones, but even that counts as progress. Hammered, but not sickly. Vietnam's Communist Party. Communist Party bigwigs gather today for the start of their National Congress where, every five years, policies are rubber-stamped and a fresh slate of leaders approved. The post of Secretary General, the most powerful in the country, is up for grabs. With just 1,548 recorded cases of COVID-19 and 35 deaths, Vietnam has handled the pandemic well. 
It was one of the few countries whose economy grew last year by nearly 3%. But there are still plenty of reasons for the new leaders to fret. China is Vietnam's biggest trading partner, yet its aggressive behaviour in parts of the South China Sea claimed by both countries is stoking anti-Chinese sentiment. The public has been airing its grievances with the regime on social media and the streets. And the buoyant economic growth of past years will be difficult to revive. Whoever becomes Secretary-General will have little time to celebrate. Their to-do list is long. Finally, here's the quote of the day from Virginia Woolf, who was born on this day in 1882. If you do not tell the truth about yourself, you cannot tell it about other people. That's it from The Economist Morning Briefing, available every weekday and on Saturdays. You can hear interviews and analysis from our journalists, including our current affairs podcast, The Intelligence, by searching for The Economist on your podcast app or asking your smart speaker to play the latest Economist radio podcast. And as a subscriber, you have access to each week's full edition in audio. Just download The Economist app on your mobile device to start listening. 